0: The only yeah. thing
1: I won't do is Zoom comedy because I love stand up so much, <laughs> yeah. I, I refuse to do like Zoom shows but yeah, I Zoom mean who knows man, weird. I might I might I might come back, you know, tail tail in between my legs soon and just yeah. just to, if if Zoom is what it is, then that's what it is.
2: And join as always in the studio. Well, actually, an Airbnb rental is my co-producer, me editor, the love of me stinking life. Better
0: back off. Oh, hello. <laughs>
2: hey, babes. How you doing? I'm swell. But I think who cares about how I'm doing? Because wow,
0: everyone cares how you're now, doing.
2: Because someone just had a birthday.
0: I did.
2: How does it feel?
0: The same as it did before.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But you don't feel like any different in your bones, in your
0: soul. Well, as you know, every time I get out of bed now, my knees creak.
2: They do not. You're so full of it. No, they do. You need to freaking exercise. I need
0: to stretch more before I go to bed maybe. Yeah, I'd, I've started to make, I've been catching myself making old man noises as well. So when I want to sit down, it's like, oh.
2: Can I break up with you now?
0: Wow, over old man noises? Mm-hmm.
2: You're younger than me.
0: I know, and the things I've seen.
2: So I need to go get me like a 25-year-old because obviously. you are making
0: some headlines then, wouldn't you?
2: I mean, not really. I'm only 36. Yeah. I mean, you're 32 and your body's fucking falling Phoebe apart. Phoebe Lynn
0: Robinson, former star of HBO's Two Dope Queens, caught prowling the streets for 21-year-old men.
2: I, first of all, I'm not prowling. <laughs> I would get plenty of offers if I just said I'm tech avail. <laughs> you
0: just... Put it on your Instagram. Yes. I'm for the DMs. And I said I'm tw- Tech Avail as well. Yes,
2: I'm Tech Avail, bitches. And I said 25 year olds. Oh, okay. Not 21 year olds.
0: Well, I'll call TMZ now and get the article adjusted.
2: Did you have a nice birthday, babe? I had
0: a lovely birthday, thank you. We made pizza.
2: Ooh, from scratch. From Our scratch. Own freaking dough, bitches. Mm
0: hmm. We had breakfast burritos in the morning
2: mm-hmm. We had some sex. Well, boink, don't tell boink, everyone boink, boink. uh
0: uh-uh. whoa, whoa, whoa
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Or does the British have sex? mm mm-hmm. Oh yes. Uh-huh. Well <laughs> Pip, pip, tally-ho on my way.
2: <laughs> You've also. This is so cute. You've been really excited about this for many years. But this. Sex? <laughs> I finally took your virginity oh. on your birthday <laughs> after three years of dating. Mm-hmm. No, but you've been truly living your truth by playing this game, Cyberpunk 2077.
0: That's the first time you've gotten that name right. <laughs> but yes, I have been living my truth best life, I suppose you would say. Yeah. But I made you as my character.
2: It was really nice, but then you gave her boobs that are way bigger than mine.
0: Well, there was only three options. There was flat-chested, which is like no boobs. Okay. Massive kahongas. Kahongas? (laughs) I don't know. I couldn't think of the (laughs) word that it is. Or the boobs I gave you. Oh.
2: I don't know if you were trying to, uh, uh, you know, send me a little message, a little subtweet.
0: In cyberpunk? Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> but you've been playing lots of video games. I'm just
0: living my best life out here.
2: You have. I honestly, I want to say like your 30s are only going to get better and better. better. And so I'm very excited that you're like, oh, why are you checking your watch?
0: Making sure it's still recording. Oh. <laughs> so that was awkward.
2: No, I was like, who are you texting? <laughs> <laughs> Off my watch. <laughs> <laughs> but i'm really excited that we got to you know celebrate your birthday even though it's like things that i have planned for us in the west coast like we weren't able to mm. do and i was kind of sad about it at the end of the bloody day it's really about the people and adjust. um so it's just been really really nice to spend this time with you and like cuddle.
0: After the years of traveling for a living, yeah. there's no other way I'd prefer to spend a birthday. Just like
2: in quarantine?
0: Just sat, chilling yeah. with you uh. in a hot tub. oh, Eating lots of nice food.
2: Yes, because you know what we've been doing? We have been, you know, ordering meals off a of home chef. And then also going to Walmart to get things.
0: Walmart's a weird place.
2: <laughs> you love it. It's your favorite place.
0: I come away with so much shame every time I'm there.
2: Well, I think it's just like sometimes, like, when we were browsing and they were like, here's some pizza. And, like, the pizza was, like, massive. A
0: pound worth of toppings? Yeah. That, that's a lot.
2: Yeah. I was like, okay, that's insane. Like, we're going to, you know, we made our own, but I was just like, that. That gluttonous, like, I understand.
0: Like, there's the fruit section, which is one of those, like, portable fridges in the middle of an aisle, and then there's two aisles of chips, like, whole aisles of chips.
2: But what's wrong with that?
0: All the healthy food is, like, reduced to, like, this one small section of the whole store, but all the unhealthy stuff The chips
2: are great, so that is a hole in your argument.
0: (laughs) Objection,
2: your (laughs) honor. May I approach the bench... I'm not going to wait. I'll what are those the um,
0: biscuits you get in a tube?
2: Pillsbury?
0: Yeah. Pillsbury like, are great. Yeah, but they have like a whole aisle just for it Pillsbury. It not
2: a whole aisle.
0: It's pretty close to a You hole. are
2: such an exaggerator. <laughs> I'm so glad you do not document history because every war you would document- The
0: British were great. You'd
2: be like, There's nothing- <laughs> He'd be like, the British, you know, fended off a billion (laughs) freaking South Africans. And it's like, what? I'm sure that did not happen.
0: Wow. Drag me. I will. To filth. I shall. In front of everyone.
2: I did. This is what happens when you turn 32. You do not come after the fact that we have a chips aisle.
0: Pillsbury aisle. You do (laughs)
2: You leave the sacred American things alone.
0: I apologize to everyone.
2: Did you guys hear that? Great. (laughs) So you know what, you guys? I want you to go on British Bake Off's Instagram and leave him some lovely messages. Don't be sliding into his DMs. Freaking trying to smash. (laughs) Okay, keep it PG. Like, congratulations on breathing for another day. Farewell.
0: Farewell? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. One one message in DMs and never speak to me again. I see.
2: I was trying to say, like, best wishes, but then... Fair came out so that said fair, fair wishes. Fair wishes sound <laughs> stupid. so I was like farewell. Okay. Okay. You know what, guys? Breaking news: We have merch. I thought you were going to say no. No, right.
0: I'm just. I'm just seeing where this is going because it was quite dramatic. It I was, is. I was du- on du- du- the edge du- of my seat. Du- du- du-
2: du- 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 you know, on the
0: news. Yeah. Whenever, yeah. Like. Okay. Yeah.
2: So imagine that was happening when I said that. Great. So go to Phoebe Robinson. <laughs> you guys do all the production on your
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Use your imaginations for all the production. Imagine some scrolling text with some breaking news at the bottom as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, go to phoeberobererson.com slash.
0: Oh, wow. Merch.
2: There are t-shirts and jumpers as the Brits like to call it or sweaters if you're from America. Lovely
0: comfy jumpers.
2: <laughs> Sizing is small to triple XL. It's really cute. Mm-hmm. Um so hook yourself up with some cuz we got to keep these lights on you guys. We got to Maybe pay. not
0: these ones because obviously this is a rental.
2: Right. But, but we got to pay for this microphone, we okay do. you guys? We got to pay for the recording equipment, okay? These cables over here, someone's paying for that. Mm-hmm. And it's us. Mm-hmm. So it could be you guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you are messy as hell.
2: Phoebe slash merch. Also, more breaking news. More? So A bit
0: of hair just went in my eye. More?
2: <laughs> no, that was it. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I like that you got like so emotional. Okay, you guys, listen up. We have a great episode today. I'm very stoked. We're all talking to...
0: Hollywood's nicest guy.
2: He is Hollywood's nicest guy. He is so nice. He's so great. He's very funny. And this is like what's really cool is, um, you know, you know him from the day show. Mm Mm-hmm. You know him from Crazy Rich. Mm Mm-hmm he's basically now joining the Marvel universe in the Shang I can't I can't read actually Shang Chi in the Legend of the Ten Rings mm-hmm. is that right yeah okay so he is he's blowing up like I can't even believe he took the time to talk to me when he has Marvel money okay
0: <laughs> well, I don't know if he's got Marvel money yet
2: I mean... I don't
0: know if that check's cleared.
2: They, but they have his checking in his routing yeah. number. Yeah, I mean, when I get freaking, like... When I got Verizon Files money instead of fucking Time Warner money, I was acting like such a bougie bitch. So I could <laughs> only imagine. with those Marvel checks...
0: <laughs> Damn.
2: I bet he's like, don't look me in the eye, bitch. And people are like, yeah, okay.
0: He's not going to be like <laughs>
2: that. <laughs> I'm talking about Ronnie Chang, you guys. And he's the best. He's so fun. And the craziest thing, Bake Off, is that we recorded this at oh, 11 what? p.m. Yeah. Our time because he was in Australia. I know. What was it like being up that late, you old bastard?
0: I mean, fine. It wasn't... 11 not that late, really. Um... I think 4 a.m. would have been worse. Okay, here, um,
2: no, because we're, <laughs> when we're not recording. You are coming
0: for me today. I
2: because when we're not recording, you're like, oh, it's 9.15, I want to go to sleep.
0: That's not what I'm like at all.
2: Oh, it's 45, I want to be in bed.
0: It's 10.30, I'm getting sleepy. <laughs> That's what I'm more like.
2: But it was like, even though it was like such a, a bizarre time zone difference. Mm-hmm. I think it was such a great conversation. Mm-hmm. It was so nice to just, Ronnie's like, he has this great ability of being really funny, but also saying really salient things. Mm-hmm. So it's just like nice to like spend time with him when we're not, you know, cause usually we see each other when we're like at shows and yeah. we're coming to go. And it's like, Oh, that was a great bit. That was cool. Blah, blah, blah. So it's nice for us to like not be running away to something and just sit and like hang out for a bit. Um, and it was so like great to hear about his story of like getting into comedy mm-hmm. and just like, you know, discovering himself. What were you gonna say, babe? Don't
0: ruin the episode for everyone. It's just about to come on.
2: Alright. Well then I guess I'll shut the fuck up.
0: Get straight to the bloody point.
2: Do you want to announce it, babes?
0: Here is Phoebe's conversation with Hollywood's nicest guy. Ronnie Chang.
2: Tom Hanks is like, but what about me? (laughs) You're over, Tom. (laughs) All right, so I'm going to just do a quick intro and then we'll dive right in. That sound good? Okay, cool. Hi, Ronnie.
1: (laughs) That's the quick intro. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hi. Hi. That was a mixture of... Sadness You said everything In that one Two words That I, You you don't even need to Say anymore I know exactly how you feel By that I haven't I haven't been in New York In five months And wow. you just answered A lot of questions for me Yeah
2: <laughs> Wait so before we get Into the episode So you Like as soon as Corona hit You peaced out For work Or for like I,
1: No it was a huge coincidence I peaced out for work But I didn't peace out Because of coronavirus Although Yeah You know It i I pieced out for work i I happened to fl- come to Australia for work a week before the world literally shut down airport wow. shut down so I was here for a good week and then everything shut down and it was kind of like uh you know how they were they were flying like rescue missions to get yeah. people back home like you know, and my agents were like, If you don't leave Australia now, you might not get back to New York and I was like, Oh okay well, that answers that question <laughs> <laughs> and so I just I just stayed in in Australia for like five months, um, wow. and I I I came to Australia to film a uh, to film something, and it was supposed to be a two week shoot, mm-hmm. and then coronavirus happened. They postponed production, and I ended up just staying in Australia for five months, and then they restarted production within five months, and so I actually managed to wrap wow. properly. And also, I used to live in Australia. My wife is Australian, so this was it. It's it feels like home, you know. So I'm I was good to kind of stay and. Um, I'm, I'm glad I did It was a, it was a nice Five months mu- Pleasant five months
2: Yeah Well I feel <laughs> like comparatively. New York New York is okay now I mean there the There's still tons of cases But I feel like You know People are wearing masks Still And like Distancing themselves So I think you'll You'll be fine So
1: no, That's good to know I, yeah. I am curious about the vibe And everyone who's Actually stayed in New York Actually has said the same thing as you But you wouldn't know it By reading on the news So if you're mm-hmm. If you're not in America And you read American news It's like What is going on? Like the, like it's like the whole thing is just imploded into itself. So I'm glad to hear that news of its death has been greatly exaggerated.
2: So do people like in Australia think like we're fucking idiots here? Like is that like are they just like why can't they get their shit together?
1: There is a little bit of that, uh, to be honest, because (laughs) um, Australia has a lot of problems in Mm -hmm. terms of uh, its race relations, for sure, Mm -hmm. internally. Um, but one thing to give credit where credit is due, Australia at its core is a very sensible and practical country, and so they when when something like this hits, they are very quick to um, shut down the borders. And it, mm. the fact that they're an island helps, you know. And then they um they 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 already have free healthcare, a very good healthcare system. Wow. So to, the testing was almost immediate very low cost testing, and then now in the midst of corona, it became free testing but at the start yeah. it was like low cost testing where everyone's trying to figure out what's going on. you get the results in twenty four hours, you know walking distance to the testing centers you can get tested literally thirty minutes thirty minute wait from the time mm-hmm. you get in so very sensible kind of you know, and the way i, I know you you you're like, let's not talk about politics on this and I'm yeah no, totally no, go for, for it that. but 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 there is an element of like so like they they essentially are socialist here, and they might not call themselves that, but mm-hmm. they, they, they—free healthcare, free education, and you know, my my family here has a lot of like they they have no they have a small business, yeah. and the government grants the financial aid that that is quickly given out to small businesses in a very wow. orderly, efficient manner. So stuff like that, you know, it just makes me think. Like, I think some Americans, I wish Americans could spend six months in Australia at least. Mm-hmm and just see white people do socialism, and then yeah. I think they'd be less scared <laughs> about it. It will make, it's just, it's more logical. It's not even yeah. about politics. It's about, you know, solutions-based, mm-hmm. you know. So anyway, that's my big political speer, spiel for this podcast. You know, I love Australia, it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, well, I'm so glad that you're here to talk about the, to, the theme today, which is, Career change. We've all been through it, you and I both. And I feel like, especially now that people are quarantining and like there's a pandemic, there's social uprisings, like everyone is sort of really being like, all right, let me like think about my life in a way where I'm not just sort of just doing stuff because it's just what I'm supposed to do. And now I need to think about what I really want to do, uh, which I think is really huge. And so I want to start with you because you started. Out, not like pursuing stand up. You were a lawyer, and then you switched gears. So I want to hear like what happened. Like, were you all? Did you always want to do stand up, and then you just kind of like denied it to yourself? Like, what was going on there?
1: Yeah. Um. I mean, I ha- I hate to disappoint you, but like, I I did I did go to law school, and I graduated <laughs> from law school, and I yeah. I passed the by exam, but I never actually worked. I I never I never really worked in law like I I was kind of doing stand up straight out of graduating and I couldn't get a job in a law firm in Australia so I I, I went I went to law school in Australia and law school in Australia is undergraduate mm-hmm. so I went there very young I I, I graduated from law school at like twenty four you oh, know, wow. and I was kind of one of the older ones people graduate from law school at twenty three twenty two yeah um here because you enter university at 18 and then it's a four-year course mm-hmm. um, but I did five years because I was doing like two degrees at once uh, anyway so I graduated and I was doing comedy in my final year of law school and I just after I graduated I just kept doing it so I never mm-hmm. had that come to Jesus moment of like oh my god I have to quit my job and pursue this or not I just yeah. never got a real job and there were many a <laughs> times yeah, there were many times when um I was doing comedy, in fact right up until I got hired at a daily show, when I I felt like I was one foot out the door of comedy and I kept mm. thinking like uh, I sh- I should go back to law, I should be like this I surely I can't do this forever. Um and I was very lucky to get, you know, opportunities and people gave me a lot of chances and uh, and and so uh and I feel like when I got the opportunities I always kind of delivered. Um Uh, and, and so I, I never really, uh, had to quit like a corporate job to do it. Although to relate to your question, I did have to consider whether or not to, you know, go into law or not, you know, so I did have that moment.
2: Yeah. So you, so even when you were going through law school, were you sort of thinking like, I don't really want to do this and you just still committed to the four years or did you really think like, yeah, I could see myself doing this when I graduate.
1: Yeah, I, w- I was totally wow. gonna go and become a lawyer, or at least like a that that kind of management consultant field, that mm-hmm. corporate field. But yeah, I was pretty convinced I was gonna go back to Singapore and all Malaysia and uh go and be a lawyer in 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 those countries. When I was studying, I I I never thought about doing comedy until my final year of mm-hmm. u- of of uh, law school. And even in my final year, I didn't think it would be a career. I just thought yeah. it'd be something you could just do as a you know self-expression thing so yeah i never um as much as i say like i did i i didn't get a job because i Mm -hmm. just wasn't a good student but i was very (laughs) much i was trying i was trying to get a job yeah
2: yeah Yeah. okay so take me back to when you were a kid like what did you want to do as a kid like when you were like when i grow up this is like what i want to do and then how like what were your parents like because my parents are very much sort of like do whatever you want as long as it makes you happy and you can support yourself, which is I know not the case for so many people, so I'm curious about what your family was like
1: yeah, it's to- total opposite to that um that's nice to have encouraging parents yeah <laughs> uh, like like my mine were like oh uh, yeah, when I was a kid, it was um I just re- remember my dad having this conversation with me and my sister, my older sister, mm-hmm. like she's three years older than me. I was about five years old she she was eight. And he was just saying, like, hey, so what do you guys want to do when <laughs> you <laughs> And that's exactly how he said it. He's like, so what do you guys want to do? And then um, my sister was like, I want to be a doctor. And my dad was like, great. And then he was like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I kind of like computers. And he's like, okay, you want to be a computer engineer? I'm like, okay, that's great. And then for like 20 years, I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be a computer engineer. Mm. And um, that's kind of how it happened. And I do remember... I was uh, at that time. I was, um, my parents went to college in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And so they went to college very late in life. They had two kids and then they went to college. Mm. So I was in New Hampshire for four, for five years with my parents. And I remember that was when Seinfeld was at its peak. And I remember watching Seinfeld. And I distinctly remember watching the end of episodes. Sometimes mm-hmm. you would have the stand up segments, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I distinctly remember telling my mom, like, hey, that looks really cool. I want to try that sometime. And my mom said, "Like, oh, okay," and that, like, you know, so it was very nice. kind of, yeah. it wasn't, I wouldn't say they were encouraging, but they want like, I, they were like, "Oh, okay, I don't know what to make of that, but sure, you know." Yeah. Um. And, but I didn't do anything about that Seinfeld thing for like twenty years, and then I did comedy, and <laughs> yeah, I didn't do any. I didn't. I didn't think it was possible. I was growing yeah. up in Singapore. There's no real stand up scene there. Um, and then, uh, I like, and then, like I said, I went to university and I eventually started trying it out. Um, but, um, I didn't, um, yeah, to to answer your question, like, um, they were, my, my parents were, I I didn't tell them I was doing comedy, um, Mm. because I, I, in, I wanted to Knowing the type of people they are, I wanted to show them results. I didn't want to just talk mm-hmm. about it, mm-hmm. and so instead mm-hmm. of trying to like impress them with my plans, I you yeah. know I I knowing that they're very results focused, I just said, you know, I'm not going to tell them. I'll just do it, and then if it works out, either they'll know or they won't, you know. And yeah. so that's that was my mentality towards it, and it was easy because they were in a separate country, mm-hmm. and um, so I just kept doing it, and eventually they read about it in the in the Singapore press. Because Yeah, that's that's how they discovered I was doing stand up was in the <laughs> press. And the way like I don't know if your parents are like this, but the way like the way like Asian parents can get, it's like they only they only believe something good happened to you. Mm-hmm. They only believe you accomplished something if a third party tells them. <laughs> That you're good. If you tell them that you're good at something, they don't believe it. They're like, this is, you're exaggerating your skill level. Uh, there's no way this is, you're as good as you think, you know. And then if someone else, it doesn't even matter who, it could be like some unqualified whatever, right? If yeah. they go, hey, I just saw Ronnie's Ron, Ron, did a stand-up set. It was pretty good. Then they suddenly become like, oh man, you know, he's really good at it. So that was the 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 local media reporting on you is like, yeah. Biggest kind of kudos you can get for them. So they were kind of from that. That's how they kind of found out. And they were still kind of 50-50 on it. But because Mm -hmm. I didn't make a big deal about it. So they didn't think I was doing it professionally. They thought I was just kind of like doing it for fun. So that's kind of, yeah.
2: Did you tell like your sister or any of your friends that you were doing stand-up? Or like you literally told no one and just sort of snuck around and did it?
1: Yeah, I just snuck around and did it because I never wanted to... My mindset was like I didn't want to open a shop that where I only sold things to friends. I wanted mm-hmm. to kind of prove myself to strangers and pr- prove to myself that I could make strangers laugh. And uh, I I wanted to kind of do it in places where people want emotionally invested in me, mm-hmm. and just to kind of you know. So that was my mindset. So I never kind of made a big deal about it to friends. I never you know. Uh, Maybe maybe my first gig I invited friends, but after my yeah. very very first gig i i I never you know brought anyone and and in Australia, we don't do bringer shows, so that was easy and i I just kinda you know I just kind of kept my head down and just kept working on it, and I didn't make a big deal about it because uh yeah, I just felt like it wasn't for me, I wanted the results to speak for itself, I didn't mm-hmm. want to talk about this thing that's you know how it can be like snap comedy is performing or creating anything can be a real ego trip. And mm-hmm. I wanted it to be more about skill level than this ego trip for me. So I just kept doing it. Yeah, And um, I always tell, I mean, to answer your question about the parents, um, my feeling on it is that I feel like all parents want their kids to have a better life than they did. Mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. that's fair to say, you know, whatever your race is, whatever your uh, country yeah. of uh, is. So parents want their children to have a better life than they had. And that includes that they want their kids to have a happier life mm-hmm. than they, they did. Even if they're not um even if that's not explicitly thought of. Im- implicit in the idea that you want your kids to have a better life than you is that you want your kids to have a happier life than you, right? Yeah. So I always feel like when you when you meet against parents, not like your parents were super supportive. If you meet parents who are kinda of a little hesitant or or in fact outright opposing kind of creative Mm -hmm. endeavors you kind of you know have to keep that in mind that that they want you implicitly to have a happier life even if that's not explicitly expressed and so I believe that if you go and pursue something creative and positive that you are happy in even if they don't like it at the start over the long term I think they'll come around because you know they don't want their kids to be I, I'm ve- i would be very surprised if any parent wants their kids to be, you know, whatever in their late 30s and deeply unhappy that they never mm-hmm. kind of pursued some kind of self-expression that they enjoyed, you know. And so, yeah. you know, in your 20s, it's easy to kind of gloss it over, like, oh, we'll do it later, or let me let me get more life experience. But then you you know it it kind of all these cracks kind of show later on. So what I'm say- saying is that why not address it earlier on and just go do what you like and find out if you're good at it or if you like it. Um and th- and parents might be unhappy at the start, but I think over the long term they will actually understand and appreciate it. That's that's kind of why I always tell people who, who tell me that their parents want that supportive.
2: Yeah, and I think a lot yeah. of it has to do with, you know, people tend to think of like you like a job security is something that you do, and they sort of separate happiness from it, so. It's sort of like just do this job. It doesn't matter if you like uh, like your life. If you're excited if you like you're dead inside. Just do that because it's job security. But I'm always kind of like, to me, there's no such thing as job security because I um, worked at an indie film company at 23 and I was laid off. So very very early on, I just understood like, oh, companies just like shut down. And then, like, you don't have money for months. And so I think this notion that, like, there's job security just doesn't make sense to me. But I wonder, like, is that something like your parents or, or like even your friends were sort of like when you were pursuing stand up and they maybe had like more sort of like, quote unquote, normal office jobs. So they just kind of like, man, what are you doing? Like, how are you going to feed yourself? Like, what is your life going to look like in 10 oh. years? Was there sort of those kind of conversations?
1: Yeah 100%. I mean mm-hmm. and yeah you just nailed it on the head. I mean that's 100%. That's it. And I mean not to, my 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 parents were obviously like that. Um uh they're both kind of um you know highly educated corporate people mm-hmm. and I was in law school surrounded by a lot of type A personalities yeah. that the whole the whole game for 5 years of my life was that was how you win the game is by mm-hmm. minimizing risk in terms of your career path and mm-hmm. joining organizations where there's a very predefined career path and these elite organizations that are very hard to get into, you know, top tier law firms, management consulting firms, investment banking. um, And if, and you start comparing yourself to other people all the time, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we still do it, I think in comedy or yeah. show business, but I uh-huh. think, uh, I mean, I'm sure we do, but I think we, I like to think that not only are we older now, mm-hmm. we also have more perspective on it. So we understand we have bit, we have a lot more perspective on comparisons we still make yeah. them but i think we mentally deal with it better as opposed to er, your early 20s you know everyone around you is is chasing this um they're trying to get into the top tier law firm and mm-hmm. so you go oh that's i have to do that you know uh, if i don't get into this law firm at this age I, my life is over and so yeah. um there was definitely a lot of kind of um pursuing that career path thing and it took me the longest time to realize what you just said which is that Yeah, there is no – you could join a top-tier law firm and get retrenched Mm -hmm. or the the company could collapse. And in fact, like doing comedy, if you can find a way to make a living from your creative endeavors, that's actually the most job security. If you want to analyze it from a pure risk job security point of view, you can't fire yourself. If you're the product – you know, like if you are the guy making the or if you're if you're the guy or girl making the stuff, mm-hmm. that's you know, you're gonna it you you even in this environment that we're in right now, you know, where companies are closing now, small businesses are closing, like if you if you are creating stuff, if you are the product, you mm-hmm. know, you can't you have way more job security because you're making something that people want and only you can make it. Yeah. And hopefully you're enjoying doing it as well. So yeah, I I think my that's a very long winded way of agreeing with you in that uh yeah, the if you pursue creative endeavors you in the long term you actually have more job security, you know. Yeah. In, in a way.
2: That's really smart. I never yeah. like looked at it like that, but that makes a lot of sense. And so like while you were pursuing stand up, did you have yeah. like sort of any Kind of terrible jobs where you're just like, oh my god! Like, let me just get this over with, so I could just get on stage tonight and do like my ten minutes. And I'm working on like, what were like some of the trash
1: jobs that you had? Oh, uh, uh, trash jobs were. I mean, I yeah, they want I I don't want to diss these guys, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I work I work for like a I work for like a grocery store, like a small grocery store No, But mm-hmm. it wasn't a trash job. It was just yeah. you know it was a job, and um, I did um, I worked for like this. Um, law firm. Uh, this small one-man law firm in Melbourne. I was just mm-hmm. the you know the office guy. Um, yeah. and he was great. He was a great. He was a lot of fun. That guy. You know, I still. Um, he inspired some jokes and. Um. Uh, it was fun. It felt like me and him against the world. It was a very yeah. small law firm in Melbourne, Australia. Um, so it wasn't. It wasn't trash. It was just kind of like. Um. Uh. These were all. and, and to his credit, he actually mm-hmm. offered me a full time position at the small law firm and um, I I turned it down because at that time comedy was going pretty okay Mm -hmm. but um, I'm trying to think of what other other really trash jobs I don't (laughs) know maybe I blocked out my memory but I can't think of (laughs) I can't think of anything that made me hate my life that I was doing and and it really was a growing experience because Mm -hmm. I know this is very entitled to say but you know again I'm coming off of a family environment that was very career focused Mm um in professional careers, I was surrounded by people who are pursuing professional careers for for five years of my life. Yeah, or these type A personalities, and so to to kind of over like to overcome that kind of programming and mm-hmm. go, I'm just gonna figure out my own way, and I don't care what job I do. You know, I'm I'm just figuring it out, and I'm not gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna run my life at my own pace mm-hmm. instead of you know mm-hmm. rushing into these things which I don't know if I want for the right reasons. That yeah. was kind of a huge mental shift for me to be able to do that, to go, I'm going to go work at his grocery store, even though I have the law degree and a commerce degree and all my friends are starting yeah. their, you know, whatever investment banking careers. Um, And and it's okay. And I was okay with it, you know. And mm-hmm. you just build that kind of, that kind of, um, uh, you, you know, it's such a cliche, but you're really finding yourself. You build that kind of mental toughness mm-hmm. and you focus on, What you like more than what other people are thinking, you know, like that, that was really where it all started for me to kind of be more comfortable with myself, you Mm -hmm. know, and not comparing myself to other people. Yeah. So it was really important and it's, it's so dumb to say, but I think a lot of, um, yeah, I think a lot of my, uh, Asian friends didn't get to do that, you know, because Mm -hmm. their parents kind of set their lives up. You go to college, we'll we'll pay for college and then you go to, you know, which is a very privileged situation Mm -hmm. but then you you know we expect you'll go get a professional job and you work and then they never kind of have a chance to kind of find themselves you know yeah so So
2: how did you how were you able to make that mental shift to be like okay you know what i'm not going to compare myself to other people like i am on my own sort of journey and path because i feel like you know i'm 35 and i i will say definitely for the first six or seven years of doing comedy i was just so like am i doing the right thing you know i'm from the midwest and like Everyone there was like they could buy houses and I was like struggling to pay rent and like all these things. And I would just compare myself to a life that I didn't really want, but I thought it's what I should be pursuing. So I'm wondering like what sort of what put you in a place where you went, you know what, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm really going to trust that I'm going to just follow through on what I want to do and I'm going to end up okay.
1: Yeah, it was it is tough and um um there definitely were a lot of darker moments like that Mm -hmm. where you're kinda questioning everything and you know you like I said, my foot I was one foot out the door right up till uh I got hired on a daily show almost. You know, I was just like, Oh, should I be doing this full time? Can I do this full time? Should I keep doing this? You know, how much can I will I ever come up with another joke? Um, that kind of stuff. And um I I don't know. I think part of it is I, I mentally, my personality is very much a loner already, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I already have kind of like a chip on my shoulder, a, a very natural chip on my shoulder with kind of um, authority and um, kind of social norms and what mm-hmm. everyone else is doing. So I already had that already. I kind of lost it a bit, you know, yeah. in law school, kind of conforming. But I always naturally was like, ah, fuck all this shit, you know, like I <laughs> I I hate this, you know, I hate just. Doing it just because all these people are doing it. I hate following the crowd, so mm-hmm. I already had that. And then um, part of it is also is also I think is a skill set that of navigating uncertainty. You know, mm. and I think it's something which people don't really think enough about um, how to navigate uncertainty. Because, like, if you look at yourself now and you've done these great things, you know that movie which I love Ibiza, which I oh, love. By the way, you're you. great in it. Yeah, very. L- honestly love that movie, A very fun, not cliched, very mm-hmm. authentic you know I-, I I loved it, um, and all this stuff you've done, and you look back right, and you mm-hmm. go like when you are starting out, could you have seen any of those pathways, you know, and you can't see it yeah, and but now looking back, you can and it becomes mm-hmm. so obvious, right obviously that led to that led to that, led to this um, and um, I guess my point is like. It's very hard when you're at that side of the journey to see the pathways, yeah, but when you're when you've traveled a bit and you look back, you're like those pathways make sense, and so I' just understanding that pathways happen and you can make connections happen. I think it's part of navigating uncertainty, even though you don't know where those paths will lead or how it will play out mm-hmm. um and and so uh, that's something I would tell myself if I was younger at that time, I was obviously very panicky as well, and um. I was ma- I was doing well enough in comedy to make it work, and I was just wondering when is it gonna stop, you know? And I'm I'm lucky, like I said, people gave me opportunities. I was able to get opportunities when I was at my lowest, and yeah. something nice would happen. And I'd be like, okay, that kept me going for a little bit longer, and mm. then that kept me going for a little bit longer, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it's definitely tough, and it's it, it can get pretty bleak, and um, uh, I I guess my my own. My only advice with that concrete advice is that navigating uncertainty is a skill that you need to cultivate. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, um just like any other skill. You can't just not care like you just you can't just be like, overcome it. You have to actually <laughs> cultivate that skill of learning the learning the the anxiety that comes with uncertainty and knowing how to manage it. And mm-hmm. um yeah, I think that's a big part of it, you know.
2: Yeah. And so you say that you're a loner, and I feel like sometimes I'm a little bit of a loner. Like I live in my head a little bit, and I need to like have my space. And I live with my boyfriend. I'm just wondering, as someone who's married, and you're a loner, how does that work with your wife?
1: Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Um, that's a great question. I mean, you should probably ask her that. Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: I'm def- definitely in my own head a lot, but we're yeah. lucky because she she took. Um, we met at law school, so mm-hmm. she's she gets all of it you know yeah. um and she made some uh, she made some tremendous personal sacrifices to mm-hmm. come to new york with me when we moved from australia mm-hmm. and so we were able to travel together for the most part you know um keep that relationship strong yeah. and um uh i i am a loner but i definitely have a soft spot for my wife and yeah. so i can connect with her you know, all I all I really need is to connect with her. I mean, uh, the the best way to put it is not really answering your question, but you know, when you do comedy, like, mm-hmm. damn, it's it. Comedy is a very harsh mistress. It's a very demanding mistress. Like, it demands your time, your attention. Um, you're gonna be working at night. Mm-hmm. You know, and where all your friends will be free, you you'll be working, so you won't see them. And then yeah. when you when you're free, which is daytime, your friends will be working. And so you won't see them. And then guess what? If you get really good at comedy, you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna tour on weekends, so you're not gonna see them on weekends. So yeah. you're gonna miss weddings, birthdays, funerals. You're gonna miss all that stuff. And it becomes like, yeah, how much do you, how much do you want it? You know, do you really, do you really want it? I, I mean, I think sacrifice is a very easy word to say, but then to actually accomplish it is another thing. Um, and and so if you like. Um, for me, what, what I was trying to say earlier when I said I'm a loner, what I was trying to say is that I was okay with it. I was okay with yeah. missing birthdays. I didn't care about weddings. I didn't care about um, social events. I was very happy, kind of be on my own, writing jokes, doing what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, social obligations to me are real pain. And yeah. so that, so my, my mentality <laughs> happened to be the one that thrives in that kind of, you know, where people will go crazy. I just yeah. happened to like that kind of environment. So... I mean, I can't, I I can't explain how to get that mentality, other than um, uh, you know, you're gonna have to sacrifice things so- yeah. socially to yeah. do comedy, and um, yeah, my 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 wife gets it, and so she she, I'm lucky that I love hanging on my wife, and this past pandemic, I've had to hang yeah. out with her twenty four seven for like yeah. five months, and and. We- we've gotten better. So I think, um, yeah, that proves I married the right person.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So what about social obligations? Do you not like, like for me, (laughs) my favorite thing is I love canceling and I know it's such a shitty thing, but I love to be like, I can't make it. It, I feel so good after I just, go. I'm just going to stay in, wear my sweatpants and like not talk to anybody. Like, what is it for you?
1: Yeah, same. I'm yeah. I'm a real homebody. <laughs> I think because we travel so much for work mm-hmm. and we talk so much for work, we just want to be at home. When yeah. when we have downtime, we just want to be at home, ch- you know, chilling out, have a nice ha- you know, like home is our sanctuary. Yeah. Just chill out at home. Um so what what about it social obligations that bother me? I think it's Yeah, I think it's just the travel and the and the <laughs> the energy and yeah. that it takes and and a lot of the times, what happens is it it's gotten better now, but when you do comedy, whether you're starting out or you're professionally doing it, the dumbass questions that come <laughs> with the thing is so draining that you can't even you know what i mean yeah, you can't even begin it you it makes you dread it because at 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 the you're asking me what about social obligations bother me at the start it was you meet up with law school friends and they're talking about the law school stuff. And, you know, most of my friends were relatively supportive. But then yeah. you, you, even at my age, early 20s, you're getting friends who are trying to give you advice, you know, yeah, like, hey, maybe you should do this. And that was super irritating, you know. So that kind of made me naturally hate that stuff already. And then as you do comedy professionally, you meet people who maybe they're, they're still trying to give you advice or... Yeah. They're trying to they ask you really inane questions about people, you know, like who's the most famous person you've met? And immediately that question is just like it's so dumb because
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> asking that question, which I get sometimes from people who don't get it, it's like yeah. one, it's like you're basing your whole status mm. on on who who's the most famous person you met. Yeah. Two how would you even determine who's the most famous person? Even if you wanted to answer that question, what does that yeah. mean? You know how? Do, and three, why do you care? Why do, I don't care. Well, no one cares about that. <laughs> it's the dumbest question. It it's it's not authentic. There's nothing in it that like yeah. you know adds any. Like, if someone asks me that question, immediately it's like, oh, you don't get it. So yeah, yeah. Um. Uh. So st- stuff like that is what that was, that was my sister in law. Stuff oh. <laughs> like that is is what makes it super draining. I don't think she knew I was recording
2: it. Yeah, no, it's okay. Yeah, because yeah, I remember from especially you were joking about, like, how you hated when people would be like, oh, when's your next show? And I hated that, too, because I'm like, you're not going to come. Why are we having this? You're, you're not going to show up. And it's totally yeah, and fine, and it's fine. You, know? yeah, it's yeah, fine.
1: Yeah. you yeah. don't have to show up. It's okay. <laughs> and you don't have to. You don't have to, you know, feel obligated. You, I we I don't need your pity. I don't I don't need, you know, it, it's fine. We can you can you can not know who I am. You can <laughs> you can like other comics. You can even hate comedy. You can, if you say you hate that's yeah. fine. You don't have to tell me that. That's kind of weird to tell me you hate comedy if I if I tell tell you I'm working in comedy. Yeah. But even that that's fine. Let's just stop this conversation. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I just find it really draining and so it suits my personality to not talk about it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're
1: with fellow comics who get it. Right. Unless, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, So t- talk to me a little bit about like coming to New York for the Daily Show and what it's always kind of crazy when you move to a new city for a job because it takes on this like extra level of pressure, right? Where you're like, well, I'm here for this gig. So it has to work out because <laughs> what the fuck else am I going to do if it doesn't? Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a no brainer to move mm-hmm. to New York. I mean, there was no, never a second where I wasn't going to do it. So that was, you know, it was already set. I was yeah. going to do it. The question is, how would I do and what was my mindset going in? Um. So and before The Daily Show, I was going to my in my head, I always wanted to move to New York to do comedy anyway. And I laughed at how naive I was. Thinking of moving to New York with no credits and yeah. like m- like every other comic does, and how man respect to every com- comic coming out of New York City because that is a tough mm-hmm. that will grind you into a you know either better or it'll break you you know that yeah. grind. And I was lucky; I kind of managed to because of a Daily Show. I managed to transfer laterally to some extent. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to start from the bottom. Bottom, you know, uh, the, you know, the Daily Show kind of let me put my foot in the door, and yeah, you know, I I, I always feel like if someone gave me a chance, I always delivered, you know, I didn't take it for granted. And that you know, and in New York City, if if you've got if you've got decent credit and you're a good person and you're a funny comic, mm-hmm. you know, you can get gigs. And then I slowly kind of over the last five years I've managed to make a lot of friends in the comedy scene and get a lot of stage time. So that was yeah. a lot of fun. But um uh yeah, I, I don't know. I guess when the Daily Show came, I I I, I didn't feel like my life I mean like we were we were we were so focused on the job we didn't have time mm-hmm. to think about failure to be very honest, and mm. the way that show works for me, there was a huge learning curve, you know, coming to America, like you said, and working on a show where we make a show every single day, yeah at a level which in australia they would they never work at this level, you know, this many mm-hmm. resources with this much audiences and so much on the line you know mm-hmm. so honestly that that first year I mean I didn't realize how like. How tough it was if if we mm-hmm. went under what would happen the consequences of 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 you know getting this Daily Show canceled if uh, if that was on the cards or not but we were so focused on the work we really didn't have time to think about it we were just mm-hmm. like there's a sh- we have to tape at six thirty so yeah. you know whatever's even anything happened in your personal life if someone died you better put that shit away because mm-hmm. this thing you know that this thing we're we're taping at six thirty whether you're ready or not and so. Yeah. Yeah, it was it, in so in that way it was good, I guess, because I yeah. was so focused on the work and I was so uh, intoxicated by New York City and working and uh, working on this institution of a comedy show that um, I just you know it's blown by five years have blown by. I still love it every day. Yeah. I go to work and it's even now Wait, remotely. It's been you know,
2: five years.
1: Pretty much, I mean, wow. September twenty fifteen. Yeah, it's really kind of went by you know time
2: really flies holy shit oh my god yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. time time, yeah it's crazy so um and i was learning a lot you know i was Mm -hmm. every day i was learning a lot i still learn a lot with working with the people there um because that job wasn't easy to me it is it wasn't uh it was completely out of uh i've never done anything like that you know the way they do that show um uh field pieces uh desk piece i've never done mm-hmm. desk in australia we couldn't get we couldn't get on tv to save our lives you know in yeah. australia so yeah it was it was a huge learning curve
2: that that's so cool and so like um do, coming to the states getting on the daily show and like where you are now with like you have like your netflix special out you're shooting movies what do you think are some of the biggest lessons that you learned about yourself just from making all these sort of pivots in your career and and trying this avenue and going down this lane. And like, how do you think that sort of like made you for the better?
1: Um, yeah, it definitely allowed me to figure out what I like doing and what mm-hmm. I'm good at. And it, because I was able to do so many different things, at least get a taste of it. I realized what I like mm-hmm. and what I don't want to do. Because I think sometimes in in show business, when you have a little bit of a profile, people will ask you to do everything. Right. From mm-hmm. like, hey, host this show or present this or act in this. And mm-hmm. you know, and those are great. It's great very it's great to get offers coming in, you know, because there were many years when offers weren't coming in. Yeah. But at the same time, it also allows you to focus on like, oh, I don't like doing that. You know. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm I'm at peace with passing on this offer, even yeah. though money's good, people attached are great, you know, some of my heroes are attached. Mm-hmm. On paper it sounds good, but you know, you know you're like that's not in my wheelhouse, you know, I I could do it, but I'm not the best at it. And there's other stuff I'd rather do, you know? So I think that's kind of the biggest thing is, is, is kind of finding what you enjoy doing and, Mm -hmm. and in terms of self-expression and because I don't know, we're like, we're lucky, I think in a position where we can tell authentic stories and we're not in it just to get famous. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like that's the biggest difference, right? Between, like authentic voices and people yeah. just try to get famous and because we're not just trying to get famous we don't just do every single thing that comes mm-hmm. our way we're kind of more selective we we pick and choose does it fit what I want to say how, how I want to express myself you know am I doing it for the right reasons you know stuff like that um so um that being said you might see me on some kind of game show soon so uh, yeah. you know, whatever uh, <laughs> but uh uh but even then even then when offers come in you can kind of figure out what you like about it you know mm-hmm. and and what you don't like so stuff like that um um so that's kind of why I learned about myself a bit more and um uh, uh i don't know i always like damn i've everything i've done i've kind of approached it with this learning mentality you know like mm. acting every time I'm acting on set with trained actors, I'm always like watching them and how they conduct themselves, how they prepare, mm-hmm. how they, you know, the little the little nuances in the facial expressions, you know, stuff like that. So, um, yeah. I mean, all these different jobs, I just, I'm always looking around to see, I don't want to be the guy who's the best at it in the room, you know, because I yeah. feel like I'm, I'm not learning anything from there. So um, I guess I realized that I really like, learning being and, the worst and, in the
2: room no I'm just
1: kidding yeah I kind of like being the worst in the room because I'm just like man if if everyone here is I want to see how great these people are you know and mm-hmm. then I'm like man there's another level you know and that's how I felt at the daily show I was like man these guys are operating on a different level like you know it's great to be in this environment
0: because yeah.
1: I've seen it I've seen it the other way I've seen it when it's mm-hmm. a bunch of amateurs in a room you know it sucks yeah. it's like we're not we're not making anything good and there's no ele- no one's elevating anything you know so yeah, yeah.
2: Um, And yeah, no, I think like before we get into audience questions, like what you were saying is, you know, I think especially when people are pursuing something creative or they are, you know, starting a small business or being an entrepreneur, there's always this sort of fear that you have to say yes to everything or it's all going to dry up. And so like you have to, once you get fur- further enough along in your career, you have to learn how to say no. And I know yeah. for me, that's been the hardest thing. It's just like, saying no because I'm like well I want to show up for everyone because I know what it was like when no one gave a shit about me so I want to say yes and I want to be there and so this notion of like oh go ahead yeah yeah yeah
1: no you go ahead yeah yeah no you're about to get oh yeah Yeah, I was just gonna
2: say that it's like it's okay to say no and not beat yourself up about it and just be like it's just not the right thing for you to do and I think that can be scary sometimes you know
1: yeah, absolutely, especially for people I would say like people like us where mm-hmm. everything we do because of our race and how we look in America, there's a political element to it. Mm-hmm. So, sometimes saying no becomes like a as though we are making some kind of indictment on this community or this cause yeah. and sometimes it's just like, man, you don't understand like uh you know, and you try to let people understand but it's very tough sometimes when you're not professionally in show business like I get you know uh, uh, let's say an offer comes in, and mm-hmm. like I get this offer every two days, and I can't say yes every single time, otherwise, yeah, I don't have it's not that I'm not down with the cause, it's just that you know i if i don't if I say yes to all this stuff, I literally would have no time to kind of work on the projects that yeah. I need to work on, you know, so stuff like that you know and 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 I've been lucky, I think for the most part, people have understood where I'm coming from, and yeah, uh uh but yeah, you're right, it is a it 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 is a uh, it's scary to say no sometimes, and it's mm-hmm. you know you don't know whether you're like saying no to other offers or yep. you know is this the end if you say yeah. no or even am I offending this community if I say no you know but yeah it's it's part of the part of the job yeah yeah
2: okay so I want to move to my favorite part of the episode which is always audience questions we got like a lot of good ones um, so I'll try and pick some of my favorites. Um this one this first one is near and dear to my heart because i I have lived through it, okay, so Jessica from Florida writes, How do you balance making less money for a career change while also paying bills student loans, et cetera?
1: How do you do it uh yeah yeah it's it's tough um well uh li- living in a country that has Free healthcare helps a lot. Uh and, and high minimum wage. Like yeah. Australia. What's the minimum where, wage in
2: Australia? Do you know? Because it's, like yeah, it's like
1: it's it's like 15 an hour Australian wow. dollars, I think. 15 yeah. or 18? Wow. It's high. Like you can you can work. Let me put it this way: in Australia, you can work as a grocery store assistant manager. Mm-hmm. One job, own your house. Go on holidays with your family, like overseas wow. holiday once a year at least. Yeah, you can have a car. Like in America, people are working like three jobs, like mm-hmm. trying to make ends meet. It, you know, it's just crazy. Like how much it, people hustle in America. So to answer your question, uh, I don't have a lot of experience with like hustling at from the ground up in America. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you make it work? Ah, oh, damn. I mean, I won't pretend to know everyone's situation you know maybe they've got stuff at, at, at home they have to deal with um, but it does come down to uh, you know comedy uh, uh, this question was about creative pursuits mm-hmm. but comedy is like like it doesn't the, the one good thing about comedy is that it doesn't matter who your dad was it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what your heritage is mm-hmm. or how much money you have, like stand-up comedy at its core is very, you know, you have to put up results and yeah. show, you have to show up and put up results. And so that's not so much how do you deal with that stuff? It's more of a question of like, whatever you're dealing with in life, we, mm. we all are trying to start at the same level in comedy. So don't let all that stuff discourage you, I yeah. guess, you know, that's not so much a. That's not really an answer with how to deal with all that stuff. It, it's tough, man. I mean, maybe you have more perspective on. I I, I don't know how to answer yeah. that other than yeah. You you know, it's 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 shitty to say, but you really gotta want it. You know, you gotta want yeah. it enough to, to be working jobs and paying bills and still finding time to jump on stage. Like yeah. it's it's just a matter of you know sacrificing enough to do it.
2: Yeah, I think I think you're right on the money about um, not pun intended but right you are really right about like you have to sacrifice and I think the other thing is th- I think maybe the notion that you can balance everything when you're trying to pursue your dreams and make this career shift like maybe that doesn't exist like I know when I was pursuing stand-up it wasn't like I, I wasn't able to balance everything like they were I fell behind on certain bills and or, or like I couldn't pay like my rent fully. And that was just like sort of part of the process, which is not kind of the answer that you necessarily want to hear. But I think it's a lot of like, well, you know, I miss weddings because it's like I can't afford to fly to a wedding or like I wouldn't go out on the weekends and really just sort of, I made a packed lunch every day instead of ordering, you know, lunch at work. and stuff like that. And a lot of those like sort of practical kind of unsexy things are sort of the things that you have to do. But I think that, I don't know if balance really exists when you're trying to make that leap, because oh, that's a good point. I think in order to make that leap, you can't really have that security. You can't really have that backup plan. It's sort of yeah. like I have to just go for it, and fingers crossed. Um. So I think, yeah, no, that's
1: a great point. Right, that balance is tough to do. Yeah. That no, that's that's a great way to put that. And there there is no way to find balance. It's an obsession. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy obsession. And I guess what I was trying to say with my earlier statement is that. Um, every all all of every comedy hero or every creative hero mm-hmm. with some exceptions went through the same thing you know so
2: yep.
1: like they had to figure it out and that's kind of where it comes from you know mm-hmm. that 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 hunger that's where it comes from from having to figure that out and it's tough you know and having to grind it out and and respecting stage time And because it's hard to get because you're balancing fifty other things and bills and all that. And, you know, so it kinda comes with it, you know, that 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 grind.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So Jessica, I hope that you can sort of like maybe have a support system where you can like, I don't know, like lean on your roommates or your friends or family and just sort of accept like, okay, things are gonna be topsy turvy until I get, you know, myself situated. So fingers crossed. Okay. This, I also want to talk about this question because I think this is great. Okay, so this is from Luna. She writes, what do you tell yourself in moments when your thoughts are self-sabotaging?
1: <laughs> That's a great question. Mm-hmm. That's a great mm-hmm. question. Um, I, I ha- I've been lucky to get a lot of good advice over the years. Um, self-sabotaging thoughts are very common. Everyone mm-hmm. gets it. Imposter syndrome. I shouldn't be here. I don't deserve to be here. Um, You know, I I think early on, uh, uh, the sound guy at the comedy store in Sydney, Australia, who is a musician, he told me that being professional means you're able to critique yourself without being emotional about it. And that really struck a chord with me because I value being professional and yeah. I value other people being professional. I mean, for me, that's a, that's a real, um, virtue. I think, you know, it's weird to talk about that with, in creative endeavors, especially comedy where everything's so yeah. crazy, but I think being professional oftentimes is the separator because it helps you work harder and smarter and show up and deliver as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, it, I think being professional is what keeps you grounded. I think, because you think of yourself as a professional, not like a celebrity performer or whatever, you know? and there's different ways to approach that. Maybe I'm not going the right way, but that's just how I think about it. Yeah. And so when he said being professional means that, that really, that really hit home for me because I would get so emotional if, if the gig didn't go well, I, it yeah. was like the end of the world for me. It's like, damn, i just you know, sh- like just couldn't get over it. Yeah. and that kind of helped me realize like, yeah, you 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 have if you want to get better, you have to be self critical because that's what makes you better. Mm-hmm. But you also can't. Be emotional about it to the point where you can't function because that's not how you get better either. Yeah. And so if the goal of what we're doing is to get better, then you, you know, that self-sabotaging stuff doesn't help. What what it does help with is it helps keep you grounded and pushing a forward to mm-hmm. be better. But if it's making you depressed and doubting, you know, if it's hampering your ability to perform, then that's not good. So that's kind of how I approach it.
2: Yeah. And I think also, Luna, it's probably good to sort of analyze what what it is, because usually it's like fear based, right, where it's like, oh, if I achieve this thing and I'm successful, then what next? Or if I do this thing and I fail, are people going to judge me? So I think if you can sort of get at the root of, OK, why am I trying to sabotage this opportunity that could put you on a good path of like, OK, now I know how to fix it? Because you just have to, like, call yourself out a little bit. And, you know, I definitely, like, have those moments where I'm, like, you know, I want X, Y, and Z. But then when I get it, I'm just really nervous about, like, okay, I have to show up. I have yeah. to deliver. Like, my favorite thing when it in, ter- in terms of writing books is I love announcing the deal. Like, announcing that I sold a book is, like, amazing. But then when I have to write it, I'm, like, oh, fuck. You know what yeah. I mean?
1: Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, it's 100%. scary. But then
2: you have to just follow through and just realize... You know more than you think you know you have the skill set, and you're also gonna learn some things and It's okay to not know everything, but you just need to dive in and just figure it out, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. for sure, yeah, yeah, that's a great question though self sabotage it's and everyone faces it, so mm-hmm. everyone faces it you'll be you know I've been lucky to meet some of my comedy heroes, yeah and When they tell me they have it backstage, just candidly, they just go, uh, you know, I'm like, what? Even you? Like, (laughs) that's crazy. So everyone goes through it. So you're not alone, Luna.
2: Good luck, Luna. Okay. Okay. Stephanie has a really cute question, which I love. Um, So she writes, how do you pursue lofty, scary goals when you are at heart a risk averse, cautious person?
1: Yeah. Ooh. Great question. Yeah, and that ties that ties right into that corporate type mm-hmm. A personality mindset, and it's tough, you know. And unfortunately, I've got a few friends from law school who extremely talented and smart people, and they just couldn't get over that. They just mm-hmm. couldn't get over it, and so they instead of pursuing something fun and like let let's say you know starting in the mailroom of a of a sports, they want to be, a, you know, they always want to work in sports. Yeah. And you know, in America, like these high profile industries, like, like show business, mm-hmm. sports and so on, you have to start in the mail room, but they just couldn't, they couldn't do it. They couldn't get over this, like, like quitting their safe legal job to start in the mail room. And yeah. it's just a failure to believe in themselves, you know, and a failure to believe that the worst case scenario isn't that bad. Yeah. You know, that, that, yeah, you quit and then you pursue this thing. And if you don't get it, you'll figure something out, you know, if you're, you're you're a smart guy with tons of, tons of qualifications, like, people have made it on way less, Mm -hmm. you know, so, but they just, you know, really can't believe in themselves and, and they're scared of what other people will think when they start from scratch, you know, that comparison Mm -hmm. problem again, they compare it to all these other friends who are senior associates trying to make partner at their law firm and they just started from the mailroom from scratch again, you know, so, how do you get over it? I mean, uh, if I can give you some practical non-cliché advice, it's kind of like you really got to stop thinking about what other people think. You, you have to, if you're worried about your parents, you have to understand that they want you to be happy. Ultimately, mm-hmm. even if they don't know that themselves, ultimately they will actually want yeah. you to be happy. Um, and that means pursuing what you like. And then part of that is also understanding that if you pursue something kind of risky, the worst case scenario, isn't that bad, you know? Yeah. And, it, it's not that bad. What What's the worst that can happen, you know? Um, and um, yeah, and, and and just kind of, um, it, it's a skill set. It's a skill set to, nothing I say now will, may convince you. It's a skill set yeah. you have to learn. And that's what, you know, I've been talking to you about the, on this podcast is I mm-hmm. had to, I know exactly where you're coming from because I had to develop that skill set of going away from this, like, hey, I, I should be working a law firm, right? To like, oh, okay. I know what I'm doing. It's going well. Let's just keep doing it. And then whatever happens, happens. You know, I can live with it. I can live with the consequences of this. You know, I can live with with um being, you know, whatever, whatever job I have to find when I'm 40, I'm, I'm okay with it. I can yeah. do it. It's not. I'm more scared of wanting to do this thing and never do this creative endeavor and not doing. I'm more mm-hmm. scared of that than I am mm-hmm. of failing. You know, that's. Yeah.
2: And like sort of just being okay with failure is something that like i think i don't know certainly in america that that's not that's not cool like you're you're Mm -hmm. a winner if you're not you're a loser and what's wrong with you and i think it sort of instills a sense of fear in people where it's like well i don't want to make a mistake i don't want to screw up i want to just do everything perfectly so i can be okay but then like this person's saying like you're not necessarily taking the risk to sort of like grow and achieve the things that you might want to do so i say You know, really just sort of think about, like you said, it's not the worst. Think about what the worst case scenario is and realize it's not that bad. If you want to write it down, say you want to pursue, like, I don't know, a singing career and you do a show and you forget the lyrics. okay, that's the worst. That's not that bad. You're not going to do that every show. So it's just sort of like getting yourself in the mindset that, like, okay, if you make a mistake or if you fail or you have like a, a huge like sort of bomb situation. That's just what it is. We've experienced that in standup where I'm just have so many shitty shows in a row. And I'm like, do I suck at this job? And it's just like, no, yeah. it's a low period. You yeah. got to figure it out. And so Stephanie, I just want you to be able to just kind of go for it. Because the fact that you're asking this question already tells me that you want you want to take that leap. And maybe you're just waiting for someone or something to give you permission. And I think you have to give yourself permission.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And there's no, unfortunately, there's no Instagram quote you can read that's mm-hmm. going to convince you just like that, you know. So it's it's a skill set to navigate uncertainty, to build up that tolerance and to understand how it will play out, even if you can't see it. it, yeah. is a skill set, you know. So you just, yeah, you got to work on it. Like meditation. Like,
2: Ooh. yeah, it's not something you can't,
1: you Do can't you just meditate? think of nothing like that. Yeah, yeah, with the, yeah. Every day? No, not every day. But okay. every so often, yeah, yeah. Oh, every so often sounds set, very
2: hard. sounds very noncommittal. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I should be more on it. I should be more on it. I want I wanted to be honest though, so don't call yeah. me out on it. But,
2: <laughs> okay. But, uh, um. Yeah. So I have one last question, and this is from anonymous. Um. They write, "How do I advocate pursuing my dreams when the security of it is iffy?"
1: Oh, it's like this yeah. It's a previous question almost. Yeah. Um uh how how do I navigate pursuing my dreams?
2: Yeah, advocate pursuing their dreams is what this person wrote. I'm just sort of oh, like nothing well, secure, well, right?
1: Well, I mean, how do I advocate? I mean, yeah. who are you advocating to? Uh, to yourself or to other people? Because you mm. shouldn't you shouldn't worry about advocating it to other people. It's you got to live with yourself at the end of the day. So, if you're talking about advocating it you're trying to explain yourself to other people. I mean, that's a losing battle, you know. Mm. Trying to mm. get someone to understand this obsession is is almost impossible. So, really, you only need to convince yourself, is what I would say. Just advocate to yourself, you know. And maybe that's what she meant. Maybe it's how do I convince myself to yeah. to to do this? And um, I feel like we kind of answered that before, yeah. but uh, yeah, you, yeah, there's no easy answer, you know. You uh, hopefully. You do it enough to where you realize that you like doing it, and you're good at it, mm-hmm. and then um you can uh um uh, and then that you know then then you, that's the indicator that you should keep going. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. But everything we just said kind of applies. Yeah. As well. Um, There's no such there, thing
2: that, as security. I just want to get that. Out. I think job yeah. security. I think that whole notion. That sort of like you work in an office for 50 years and you get the goal of watching retire. That is not the reality. That's like for 99% of people that will not happen. So if you accept that, then you sort of forget about security and kind of think about, okay, how can I find, how can, if I want to, how can I marry like my passion with something that's just going to pay my bills and allow me, like you said, to take a vacation once a year with like loved ones and like, if you can do that, I feel like that's that's a success. Like you've made it, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Yeah. yeah. sure, yeah. Piecing it together is, is tough, especially in this in this new age. It's mm-hmm. crazy. You got you got gigs coming through your app. There's Bitcoin. Yeah. Incre- like who knows <laughs> what the hell? Like nothing no one's working in a factory yeah. for like you said, sixty years and getting a gold watch. You know, we're all trying to figure it out right now. And um um that's yeah, that's you know, that's the scary part and that's also the fun part of it mm-hmm. is not being tied to this fixed path if you don't want to, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, hopefully you can see enough success stories to realize that the common denominator in all this was people facing great uncertainty yeah. and figuring it out, you know? And that's that 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 should be an indicator to you, that should give you confidence that that is the right way to do it, you know? Yeah. That's what you're pursuing.
2: Well, Ronnie, thank you so much. This was like so fruitful. And I think it is really inspiring to sort of like, I think like you said, there's no Instagram quote. It's just sort of like this kind of daily reminder to check in with yourself and believe in yourself. And I think people just need to hear that and like just give themselves permission to do that and not be scared. So, I mean, you saying all of that is so great. And I can't wait. When is your next special happening? Are you going to have a special oh, soon? Because your I think Netflix- comedy ended. No, but so, your Netflix special was so fucking fun. <laughs> I've seen it like five thanks. times. It's thanks so much. funny.
1: Thanks so much. Yeah, oh no, I appreciate God. it. Thanks so much. Yeah. Uh yeah, like um I hopefully next year, you know, I, vaccine comes out and of this year. Talk about navigating uncertainty. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's what you know, what hopefully we can do it next year. But um thanks for thanks for having me on. I mean, I, I feel like I wasn't saying anything you you don't already know and say so yeah. preaching to a choir here but yeah. um yeah thanks thanks for having me on it's good to see you haven't seen in a while
2: you guys wasn't that a great episode
1: the way he looks
0: at you when you're asking a question was so cute where he's just like he's fully engaged mm-hmm. loving this conversation and just like all smiles it was so cute to watch
2: i mean i agree with you it was great. I hope mm-hmm. you guys enjoyed the conversation. I think the, um, you know, the audience questions were great. And I think it mm-hmm. was like nice to hear from two people who have sort of had highs and lows in their careers and mm-hmm. can really truly identify with like when things aren't easy.
0: And I think a lot of people are going to be able to connect with that as well. Amen.
2: So, you know what? Another episode in the bank.
0: Cha-ching.
2: Freaking making million dollar deals.
0: You are? Or I am? Because I'm not.
2: Oh, I'm not either.
0: Oh. Oh. Maybe Ronnie is.
2: Yeah, Ronnie, (laughs) send us that Marvel money. Okay, you guys, seriously, you know what time it is. It is time to talk business, specifically black-owned business.
0: That's right, hoes.
2: (laughs) As you guys know, I am not... Taking money from the man, okay? Yes. I'm not taking money from Dyson.
0: Wix can go shove it. <laughs> <laughs> I did make a website off Wix. They're actually pretty good, but not a sponsor.
2: Kind cereal.
0: Oh, that's my favorite. Don't, don't.
2: More like unkind. Oh, I like them. More like we don't like your kind.
0: No, no none of your kind in my cereal bowl
2: (laughs) because we are independent okay we are free spirits we wear leather jackets
0: i don't own a leather jacket
2: we ride our we jump on our hogs (laughs) and we go up route 66
0: have we met (laughs) do i know you
2: you know say we don't put on leather jackets and get on mo- motorcycles and drive along Route 66? Uh, l-
0: let me get my paisley uh, bandana out <laughs> yeah. and I'll uh, wrap it around <laughs> my hair.
2: Ball to be world. Okay, the point is, you guys, through that shit show of an intro. <laughs> I, <laughs> the point is... We are supporting black owned businesses instead of take, are you looking at my boobs? Why did your eyes look down? I was
0: looking at the uh, microphone, actually the, um, the settings on the back of the microphone.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, instead of like taking money from the man, we wanted to use this space as an opportunity to just highlight businesses that we both love or that I specifically use. um, Support poor black-owned business because it needs to be year-round, yeah. not just for Black Friday, not just for Black History Month, not just for Martin Luther King Jr., right. not for my birthday, not for Beyonce, not for Michelle Obama, not for Barack Obama.
0: So who's the business?
2: Not for <laughs> Bo the dog, Obama. Oh, I love Bo. We love Bo. Okay, so the black-owned business, you guys, buckle up because this is cute. Um, if you follow me on social media, you know my hairstylist is Sabrina Rowe, and she's fantastic. And during the freaking quarantine, this queen was like, you know what? I'm starting a fucking hair care business. It's called Natural by Sabs, and the word "natural" has no vowels in oh, it. Oh,
0: cool and trendy
2: because we are young,
0: mm-hmm, hip,
2: sassy
0: independent uh
2: devil may care you've never heard that devil may care attitude
0: no anyway how do you spell it oh it's a short one isn't it
2: but listen up you guys okay so i (laughs) (laughs) i love her products and i'm not just saying this because she's my hairstylist like if i didn't like it i would just be like i don't need this i'm set but it's really good. So she has shampoo and conditioner bars. Mm-hmm. She has like a traditional, you know, shampoo and like liquid shampoo and conditioner. She also has like a soothing scalp thing. She has, you know, um, all the things like rose oil for your scalp. There's Lovely. so many incredible things. I really love it. You can go to her website, naturalbysabs.com. Follow her on Instagram, naturalbysabs. In, as, as in naturalbysabs. Natural. <laughs> T as in twins, mm-hmm. R as in rebellious, L as in limoncello, B as in boisterous, Y as in...
0: Why haven't you gotten all the products from Natural by Sabs yet?
2: Exactly, bitch. S as in Sam. I should have been as in Sabrina.
0: <laughs> yeah, Sabs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: A as in apple pie B as in bronzer S as in smelling socks
0: I thought you said smelling socks
2: oh. <laughs> No, smelling Salt. Salts, how do you say salt? Salts That's what I was saying You're making me feel like I wasn't saying it right So
0: natural by Sabs, go get some
2: Credit time! Host: Phoebe Lim Robinson.
0: Producers:
2: Phoebe Lim Robinson and British Bake Off. Editor: Phoebe Robinson.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, you want to do it?
2: Yeah, all, this is what you got to do to edit. You okay. Fucking press record. Right. When everyone's done talking, you press stop. Then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wish.
2: <laughs> then you freaking open up Adobe. Sound control,
0: right? The famous one, yeah. <laughs>
2: then you just right click to like bring down the pops, and put my keys into the microphone, and then you just just right click, right-click. yeah, <laughs> and, and then, it just knows, yeah, okay. And then left click when you want to bring up some like the moments are quiet, and you want
0: theme tune.
2: <laughs> Gavin Turek
0: interns.
2: Sasha and Malia Obama, thank you for everything.